0: This is the photographic collective podcast y'all my name is miles with boyer uh and i'm sitting here honestly i am gonna preface this by saying i'm sitting here with the beginning of this entire podcast like where this entire process started for me um, was this incredible experience that me and these two gentlemen had uh over on clubhouse when we hosted this room called purpose and positivity for photographers and, uh, and so I'm sitting with, uh, with my friends Igor Demba and Tom Wright. Um, both of them are over in the UK right now. And if you are tuning into this podcast for the first time, you're probably really confused about what the purpose of this actual podcast is. Because today is just going to be us kind of bromancing and hanging out and chilling and talking about all that we learned during that time in our lives. So go back and listen to more productive episodes if you'd like to learn photography stuff. But if you just want to hear what it feels like to have friendships uh, in this industry, keep listening. Um, Okay, so that's all. That's what I had. So before I clicked record, uh, Igor was telling me how much he missed my face. So we're going to pick up right there because it feels like a good talk track.
1: (laughs) Great topic to pick up on, isn't it? Miles' face. (laughs) I mean, I, I know I miss his it, face as well, but
2: I'm not. As, I'm not as pretty as Igor, so you should probably talk to him first. It's a bit better.
0: Unless you tune in over on YouTube, um, we're just gonna we're gonna put this in order of of good looks, and clearly I'm on top. Um, and then, but if you click over to to YouTube, you're gonna realize quickly that it it is actually these two gentlemen. It's a it's a real battle. So I'm just gonna keep the Western Hemisphere. Um. <laughs> okay so guys catch me catch me up like let's let's talk back about um before the last year like before 21 happened um and we all kind of got to know each other on clubhouse I, I like I've never had the opportunity to ask you guys this before but why like why did that whole that whole room the this need for a conversation simply about positivity and productivity and and just photographers coming together as a community, like, why did that resonate so much for you guys? Yeah. Um, do
2: you want me to start on that one, Igor, or do you want to go first? Go for it. Um, I mean, for me, like, I started on Clubhouse because a good friend of mine, Adam, Adam Johnson in the UK, he used to run Nine Dots, one of the educational conferences here. Like, he'd kind of got on Clubhouse early, and we'd all realized that there was nothing really happening in the UK for photographers. So we, Run a coffee morning five days a week of just like encouraging people through the pandemic. And I think in England we had a bit more of a stringent lockdown than in most states in America. So it was kind of like most of us hadn't seen another human face in forever. So it kind of started to feel a little bit like a lifeline. And I met Igor in, in one of those rooms, I think. Is that right? Yeah. That's right. And I guess and, and I guess like at, at that point we we just started talking because you, you kind of got pretty quickly you kind of realized who was there to kind of pitch and sell you something. And those people that were actually invested in trying to help each other out or like looking for genuine companionship. And like Igor always struck me as one of those people that was just really honest, making really cool work and trying to do something positive. Um, and yes, it just ended up being a really easy, easy friendship. And I don't really know exactly how we started the purpose and positivity room. I think that was more of a you and Igor thing, rather than a me and me and Igor thing, but maybe I'm wrong.
1: I think you were part of the conversations and some of our best conversations. Um, And it just made sense to have you officially there in the room because um, constantly, constantly, this is one of the things that I always loved about you, Tom, that whenever you spoke, um, even outside of that room, whenever you spoke, it was always full of encouragement, full of trying to push people forward um, yeah, you can do it. Yeah. It's great the way you've done this, but you could do it this way, or you could try this next time sort of thing. So yeah. Um, it just made sense. You, you always speak with such, um, great encouragement. So yeah, but going to your question miles, I think that, that room in itself really took off, took off because, um, we all were in that sort of state of lockdown in some way. Um, so to have, connection in, in such an open and free way. it, It was just, it was just incredible. It was really, really incredible. And, and combine that with the fact that our community, our sort of like industry just needs positivity so, so much. It's so easy to, not I do these days, but really, but it's so easy to sort of like go into a Facebook group and just see negativity and just see, um, people just complaining, not even, it doesn't even need to be comp- a negativity. It's just literally complaining a- about clients or so-and-so that's still my, my client or whatever, whatever it may be saying. It was just incredible to have a room where people actually were able to not just simply be within the photography industry, but be in a room where, okay, we're not going to talk about presets. We're not going to talk about, um, what lenses you use, what, medium format or whatever you want to go for but yes the things that really matter in life and you were so, this is why I love you miles really you were able to really draw out those questions so so well and yeah um, it would be amazing to find a different format for that sort of thing but um, it was great it was great absolutely loved it
0: well I mentioned that it was sort of the the, uh, the preface almost to to this podcast. Simply because it was it was a big change in my life, like in my career, where um, I realized during those conversations a lot about myself. Um, maybe how how transactional most of my relationships had become, and even though I had kind of built a name for myself in the industry, even most of those relationships were very transactional, right? It was like I will give you mentoring in exchange for money, or I will shoot your wedding in exchange for money, or I'll give you advice in exchange for money, or whatever. And what I realized quickly is that there's this remarkable community of, of artists who don't need my advice and they don't need to pay me, but they would love to just be friends. And it was that exposure for me that sort of changed my thought process around my entire company. It was the, it was the, the, um, the the early beginnings of this photographic collective concept being not you know not a business but a community where now I I mentioned this to you earlier Tom but I just got back from WPPI last week and and everybody that I was running into was trying to you know okay well how much does it cost to be a member and I kind of sit back and I laugh and I'm like well that means that we're doing something right because everybody is seeing value like they're they're assuming that. That we're charging for this, but the reality is no, we're just we're just in community. So, okay, so but here's here's where I wanted to go with this is I want to hear both of y'all's backstories a little bit. We're gonna get there, but what I think is so valuable to jump right into is the fact that like here's here's two gentlemen, three of us I guess, but two gentlemen that met each other via in an app, um, got to know each other like talk a couple of times, but it's actually turned into like an actual friendship for you guys, right? Like you, you've traveled together now, you've shot together. Um, 100%. So, so what is that? What's that feel like? Tom, let's start with you, buddy. But like, what's that feel like to see um, a relationship with somebody as well-known, frankly, as Igor, just sort of like come out of thin air and now be that real for you?
2: I mean to be quite frank, it it feels strange because, for those that don't know, I'm I'm not actually a wedding photographer anymore. So like, there's no industry connection really. Like, we're not competing for clients. We're not competing for anything. Like, the only reason that we work together is because we enjoy working together. That's that's the only the only real factor in it. And I think that. The nice thing about the whole situation with Clubhouse is I felt like I met a lot of people for no other reason than just to meet people. There there really wasn't an ulterior motive. And and working with Igor has been, I think it's just kind of, it's made the world feel a lot smaller in in a good way. It's kind of reminded me that everybody in the industry is a person and you've all got something to contribute because frankly, if you know who I am, you're probably lying. Like, like I'm not, I'm not a big name in the industry, have never chosen to be, don't ever really want to be like, I'm, I'm much happier being the kind of person that's supportive and kind of providing like behind the scenes help or like trying to be the kind of person that you would turn to for advice when you're trying to build your empire. Like I'm way less interested in being the center of attention. And I think the weird thing is that speaking to Igor, it's pretty clear that there's a lot of people that are in the spotlight that are the center of attention that, Basically, don't never ask for it. Like he's the kind of person that you could just you could just walk up to him, have a conversation, and be like any other person you've ever met. But also, he's one of the top wedding photographers in the world, and you would never know. Like uh, shooting a wedding with him was interesting because the guests like didn't really know who he was, and then like when you tell them the publications he's been in, like Harper's Bazaar and all this kind of stuff, and you see their faces change because all of a sudden they realize that the stuff that he's making is super impressive, but I think it's a testament to his his attitude that you would never know. And from my point of view, it's been really interesting to kind of see behind the curtain for somebody that is recognized in the industry as being one of the best in the world, um, but frankly doesn't let that color his opinion. The things that make him happy are the same as the rest of us. And I'm not going to put words in his mouth, but we spent more time talking about music and family than basically anything else on that trip. So.
0: Yeah that, yeah, that that humility has hit me about you, Igor, from from the very first conversation that you and I had, um, Tom. I think that's so well stated. I I um, you know I got to know you just you hit the nail on the head. I got to know a number of actually our guests in here um, via that very short, very concentrated time that we were all on timeline. I mean, on, on Clubhouse. I'm sorry. So I met Ellie McKinney, but also met like Jonas Peterson through this. I met Katie yep. Mary through this. I've met um, Jose Villa. Uh, through this, but then out of nowhere comes this name, and I remember it popping up for the very first time, and it was a name that I knew very well. Um, I knew your work, Igor, very well, but I knew almost nothing about you as a as an individual. Which is correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like that's actually very intentional from you. I I, I feel like you you guard your your personal life very very carefully. And so our first couple of conversations were this like thought process of like, man, how do we how do we serve people from simply the opportunity to just let them speak? And um, and I just I, I want to do that for you because you've You have kind of conquered the world here, and yet now you're traveling around Scotland and hanging out with uh with tom and and like you know doing doing cool things so igor i mean i think i think one of the coolest things for me um about the way that the the kind of clubhouse network came together was the fact that I got to meet somebody that I totally look up to i completely idolize and and uh and and has reached the pinnacle of this industry, but
1: we never, I don't even know, have we ever even talked about photography? I guess we have, but nothing like, nothing crucial, nothing sort of like, it's been, it's been very much uh, a relationship based sort of like relationship. Yeah. And very much talking about family and what we like and what are the challenges that we find finding, but not much of a photography business. Yes. Um, Dreams and wants and stuff like that. But yeah, yeah, you're right in some ways. I, I think that's special.
0: Like that's something that in this industry, I don't think you find a lot of. It feels like everybody just fast paces to what camera do you shoot and you know like what's your biggest horror story and uh, and I think it's special that like the three of us kind of connected on a on a friendship level. So okay, so here's here's I have a couple of questions that I like specifically wanted to talk to you guys about though. Um, let's go back to like okay mid pandemic total lockdown mode what was the or maybe who who was the guest uh in the purpose and positivity room that stuck out to you guys the most like who was the person cuz we had a lot we had a lot of of emotional conversations right so who was the guest that just that just
2: resonated for me there were two like roxanne like number 1 like with, without a doubt that that room was was like yeah. It was my mind.
0: Yeah, so yeah, tell, tell, everybody, really tell, tell everybody. Tell yeah. everybody about that. Back as <laughs> cuz yeah. like I've got chills right now. So so tell everybody what what that was. I mean, in the middle of the the
2: the kind of like Black Lives Matter protests like at the beginning of last year. Um it was obviously a hot topic like how how people treat race inside the photographic industry. And it was just interesting to hear somebody speak passionately without a filter in a, such a constructive way that kind of helped you to understand like how to behave differently and how to be as supportive as possible to that community. But mm. I think the thing that stood out to me the most was the way that she articulated that and gave like really clear action points and help people to know how to be a better person, how to how to be a better friend to everybody else in the community. Um, but it was just how
1: articulate she was for me. It, 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 yeah. it, it spoke volumes. God, that I was couldn't agree g- more because... In some ways, she said everything I was feeling, but no way I would have able be, would have been able to say it that eloquently with that much passion in order to translate to everybody else. If that makes sense, so yeah, completely agree.
0: Yeah, that, that was a magical day. Um, let me let me kind of paint that for everybody. So, Igor and I, um, when we started the, this room that we're talking about, we never really created a theme. Uh, even until the day of, usually we would write each other back and forth and be like, Hey, what do you want to talk about today? Right. And the idea was essentially just like to open the platform and let people speak, like just give them room to feel. But that day um, I remember, I think it was one of the only times right anywhere where I was like, Hey, this is happening right now. Like the world is being asked to look at the way that we treat each other. And, it would be a miss to not bring this up and go for it, especially considering the fact that at the time, I don't even I think Tom was a part of that, but I don't even know if we had you in as a moderator yet at that point. So especially based on the fact that that Igor, obviously, we live on two on opposite ends of that experience. Right. And uh, and man, that room was. Oh my gosh I mean it was
1: Roxanne But then she just opened the door You remember that next Exactly thing? That's 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 exactly what I was going to say Because with that The the other people that just literally came up And stories that were shared And and just different faces Just totally different faces that showed up It was great It was really really great um, Yeah Let me just charge this
0: <laughs> I, I think that that was Okay You said that was the first of many, Tom, but I, yeah, I agree. Goodness gracious. I mean, I, I think everybody had at least a, like there's just no air in the room. All right. So, so give me, maybe Igor, your turn. Who, who else stuck out to you?
1: I can't remember her name. I really can't remember her name. Um, was it Deborah? I want to say, but, um, she was, um, this older lady who, um, had a passion for photography, but somewhere in between things hadn't worked out in some ways, the way that she wanted, I can't really remember it properly. But yeah. again, it was just the way that she led the conversation and everybody, it was just really emotive conversation. Um, and and I, I felt so proud of us for allowing the space for a conversation like that be able to happen. Um it was just incredible really. And and so many times out of those conversations, I felt like I would go to my wife's line. I've just been to therapy <laughs> because um the conversations that that were being had was just so you would search your heart, you would search your mind really for the answers and listening to people and hearing their their wants and their dreams and or perhaps struggles. And, and I think that was that sense from, from Deborah really that, yeah, it's just incredible. So Deborah would have been, would have been one. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I'll give you the backstory a little bit on her, cause I don't know if you remember this or not. So Deborah was like an early mentor of mine mm-hmm. and, um, and, and she's just a sweet friend. Um, we've sort of pivoted, I, you know, I think you get to that, that place in your career often where you sort of switch roles. Um, where now I, I kind of like mentor into her a little bit. Um, but yeah, yeah I'll, I'll help jog your memory. She was sort of mourning the death of her dad. Um, and she was processing the fact that like she she felt like she was kind of at the high point of her career when her dad got sick and everything had to sit on the shelf while she took care of him. And then when she got back, it was like she finally got back to her her love, like her career. And everything had changed and the industry had shifted and she felt suddenly like kind of ostracized. Um, and I, man, I remember sitting back and again, it's probably because I have such a good relationship with her, but I remember sitting back and saying like, Oh man, I wonder if I've been a part of that. Like, I wonder if I've alienated you inadvertently. Mm-hmm. So, so the reason I wanted to bring that up is because I feel like in both situations, both, both. by the way, those were the two right answers.
2: But in- yeah, that that was my second pick too. Like, I'm not I'm not going to lie. Like, the, the second that Igor said it, I was like, "Yep, exactly the same person." It it, ju- it just enabled so many people to speak freely because I think we can all kind of relate to those situations where you've had something in real life bleed into work life, and you felt like it's it's hit you. It, it's crazy.
0: Mm, okay, so give us like back us up then. So we we clearly, I think, I've kind of painted the picture here. Like, we clearly have. Two guests today that are both just sort of remarkably um, passionate people, but also just very, um, very positive, like, like very intentional. I think would be the word that I'd use about both of you guys in your relationships, in your work, and in, in in just your place in the industry. So, so back us up, Tom. Let's start with you because I think probably more people know Igor's story, but I think they're going to be blown away when they find out that the way Igor actually talks about his story is very different than, but. Back us up a little bit, Tom. Like where did where did this sort of journey into the the photo industry in general start for you?
2: Um I was kind of I was teaching the guitar and I was broke. And I started um kind of grabbing some of my friends together and picked up a Polaroid camera. And it turns out the distributor for Impossible Project, the company that made Polaroid film, was in Manchester. And um Fast forward like a few weeks, I'd arranged this little like scavenger hunt for my friends. We took lots like, to of pictures on Polaroids, and they realised what I was doing. So I'd, I'd bought more film at one time than anybody else had up until that point. So I'd bought like bags and bags and bags of this Polaroid film because I didn't, I'd, I'd never taken a photograph before this. I just thought, well, I need to I need to learn how to use it, and then I'll we'll go have some fun, and then that'll be that. It'll be a great weekend. We'll we we'll, will make a little bit of money. We can have a bit of a competition. It'll be great. Um, but they asked me to start teaching workshops because basically for anybody that doesn't know impossible project is like Polaroid that didn't really work. Um, it's like their initial film only had one color and it was pink and the black and white film literally rusted. So if you shot the Polaroid, it looked black and white for a day and then it got brown and then eventually corroded to nothing. I still Um, remember those days. (laughs) I I miss it. And and like,
0: we've talked about this ago. It was so bad, man.
2: But you say that, but honestly, there are so many people where they've kind of developed their eye from that kind of thing. Like Igor and I had conversations about this in the past, but like Igor's entire color palette came from those early Polaroid films that Impossible Project made. Like it's PX680. It's this gold and green, like this green behind me, that green was like the only green this film was capable of producing and skin just went warm and it was beautiful. And I think that We talked about this before we started the podcast, but a big thing that I think a lot of photographers miss is that there's this crucial step to developing your eye that's just curiosity and going out and learning a little bit more about what you're interested in and what you love. And it was kind of interesting for me because i obviously had an education background, applied it to photography because that was what was there, and then gradually realized that I wasn't making any money from the Impossible Project workshops, so started shooting weddings And kind of like did that for years. And long story short, I have PTSD and being at wedding receptions was not helpful for the me dealing with PTSD effectively, like being in large groups of people, lots of drink around is not good for me. So I made the decision to get out of that, became a staff photographer, and then literally six months before the pandemic started, went freelance. So it's kind of like, it's been a bit of a a weird road for me. Um, and definitely not typical and definitely not a meteoric rise or anything like that. Like I have absolutely no kind of kudos in the industry. I am not special and I don't ever pretend to be, but what I do love is I love photography. I love the people in the industry and I like seeing people improve from the education days. So for me, that time on Clubhouse was incredible because I got to speak to a lot of people with no hidden agenda about something that I cared about and see them feel happier when we'd finished having a conversation. So my backstory, long story short, education, then weddings, then commercial photography. Now I'm currently still doing commercial, but the thing that actually lights me up, the things that make me happy is seeing somebody else benefit for something I know. And that's, that's
0: always going to be the thing that lights me up. I love it. Again, I think it just says a ton about who you are. Um, I mean, I come on um, that at some point in my professional career, like major bucket list goal for me, Tom, is to do what you and Igor did um, a few months ago, which is to have you I, I, I'm like desperately wanting to bring you out to shoot some BTS and to, to travel with me to work with me. Um, the work that you did of Igor, as, as humble as you are, it was probably the most on brand I, I felt like I saw into Igor because of your camera Um, and that's a remarkable
1: talent Uh, it really is okay just to just to say as well that literally it's it's (laughs) sometimes it actually annoys me tom (laughs) that you are just so talented it's ridiculous how talented you are i was talking to um adam johnson's he's like um, one of the founding members of Nine Dots community here, which is like a massive, massive conference and a great community of, of photography community. and And even Adam just said it. Tom is just so underrated because his work is just incredible. And I was like, isn't it? This is what I mean. It's just so incredible. And me and Tom, we've uh, we've probably worked on, on some of my best projects over the past few months. And he just keeps churning out all this, these incredible stills and incredible videos. And um, yeah, just don't. And in some ways, that's why I kind of kind of like want to just have him more in my life and kind of like just kind of like shake him up a little bit because, dude, you're just incredible. You really, really are. And yeah, I'm. I'm just. Gonna try and instill that to the rest of my days. (laughs) I just want you to like edit some pink
2: out of the skin.
1: (laughs) Yeah, just (laughs) let that settle for a second.
0: Arguably, one of the I I would I would put you in the I really would, Igor, I'd put you in the top 10 in the world. Just just took 30 seconds to gloat about how talented you are. So just like step away, pour yourself another tea. Let's get back at it. Okay. Before so we move, before we move on from that, I'm sorry, Miles, No, this is what we're doing. Listen, if, <laughs> if anybody chimed into this episode and didn't expect for us to interrupt each other over and over again, they're listening to the wrong stinking episode. That's it. I think that the, the weird thing is like, I, I don't think
2: that being a good photographer is the thing that I, I struggle with. Like I, I love photography. Like, like, passionately deeply it's the it's my favorite thing like give me a camera and a 50 millimeter and i've got a smile on my face it's just that simple like i'm so happy but i think that the reason why projects that i work on with ego look so good is because i feel like such a big part of my the way that i work is is a collaboration with the person on the other end of the camera I absolutely love working with photographers because again, it goes back to that core value before I want to see somebody benefit from me being there. Like it's not about me being there, but I want them to be enriched by the fact that I work with them. That's, that's the ultimate goal. So you see, I'm not, I'm not saying this is like mock humility and I'm not fishing like genuinely, like I want everything that I do to be in service of the person that I'm working with, like more than anything else. So when Igor says like, I keep churning out this, this stuff, like it's because you're doing the cool things. <laughs> like that's the reason it looks cool. Like all I'm doing is not dropping the ball and making sure that I kind of shine a light on it. I cannot wait for the, the kind of materials that we've been working on together to get published because I am super proud of the stuff that we've made, but like, don't, don't, going to get it the wrong way around. Like it's, it's, it takes two people to get really good quality behind the scenes. Like it, it takes you and the person you're working with to give you the space and be gracious. And yeah. you've always been that. So thank you for that as well.
1: No, thank you, buddy. And I completely agree with that. I completely agree with that because literally, um, for example, the the asylum project that we did, which is uh, this beautiful derelict church in London, um, we just grabbed a team and did a style shoot for for the course that I'm sort of like organizing that at the moment and and did a style shoot as well just to be published. So trying to hit two birds in one stone. And and the whole precipice of of, of that shoot was literally to grab the best people I know and people that are passionate about their art. And just let's see what happens, really. And and you are that person. You are so so passionate about your work. Um, it just needs to be seen more. <laughs> I can agree with that. <laughs>
0: All right, you too. You're cute. You guys are a cute couple. Okay. Um. I, and my jealousy, by the way. Just if you can't if you can't hear the <laughs> passive aggressive jealousy going on, I'm like, when do I get to work with these? Two?
1: We'll we'll just have to fly you out to here, Miles, and Let's yeah, go.
0: make it happen. Okay. So speaking of, if you if you type uh, Harper's Bazaar into Google Translate, um, Igor <laughs> Denba's face pops up. Um dude, I feel like a lot of people, and maybe they don't, honestly. I'm, I'm gonna say this: most uh, the, the vast majority of the listenership to this podcast are in the US, and so Let's just assume, how about that? Let's assume that maybe people um, aren't as globally aware yet. So before we talk through the fact that you are you know, globally recognized as as just a name in this industry, Dude, where did you come from? Like, how did this? How did this start for you? And if you tell me that you picked up a camera at seven years old and you knew immediately that you were going to be a wedding photographer, this how did you know? How over. did you
1: know? How did you know? No, really, it, that's exactly how it happened. Um, I literally came out of the womb, and no joking. Um, no, uh, I've always been a late bloomer. Like, always, always been a late bloomer coming late to things, but whenever I sort of like set my mind on certain things and usually I would make it work, but with photography, um, I went to uni um, university or college for you guys, um, to study graphic design. And whilst doing that, I just started doing some street photography and just photography in general for my graphic design work and, and street photography became a thing, really. this this was during like the days of Flickr. And I would just upload stuff to Flickr and, and just really enjoy it. Like really orange sepia, <laughs> disgusting images. But um, I, w- I was proud of it and I was learning. And yeah, eventually a friend sort of like asked me to photograph a wedding and, and things sort of like snowballed from there. But even going back further, like answering your question, even literally, where where do you come from? Yeah. Um, Portuguese. I was born in Portugal, but then um, my parents traveled to to Sweden and we lived there for eight years. But in between that, my my parents used to be missionaries. So they used to travel around Europe, um, handing out Bibles and and clothes and, and me tagging along. And yeah, it was great to grow up in that sort of environment really, because it gives you a good awareness of the world. And then to combine that sort of like awareness with wedding photography, it's just, it just feels like I've got the best job in the world really to be able to travel and at the same time, um, be able to create. And I I think that's, that's the thing as well. That really switched things for me really, because I did that wedding, that one first wedding and, and just sort of like parked it. It was only until I got engaged with Zion and saw so I started research, researching wedding photographers, and started seeing um, the scene on your side, Miles, in the US and wherever else, really, and and seeing this sort of like photographers that that were just literally creating beautiful work, but not just beautiful work, but work that were very, very much it, you could see the identity, you could see a, st- a specific style, you could see. Um, A a specific artistry Really And I just Got pumped With that one wedding Just started knocking On people's doors Knocking on (laughs) uh, Any couple that could find a church Sort of thing Hey you guys are getting married Um, With that sole idea of Trying to find a voice um, With with photography And uh, yeah And then things sort of Like snowballed from there Really Um, You start Getting comfortable With what you're doing And 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 confident and try to experiment. And yeah, you, yeah, fewer words in, awards in and yeah, things, things are here today. And I feel, and I feel like, I feel like, yeah, most people in in your podcast won't know who I am. (laughs) They really won't. Um, And I'm quite happy with that really, because there's so much work to be done still. Um, especially now that I'm really sort of like gearing towards the educational side of things as well. But even with wedding photography, there's just so much more to be done. There's so much more to be said really. Um, And I think that our industry is so, so great. It is really, really great. And the entry point for it, it's, it's so low in some ways. so be able to speak into that and and see other wedding photographers out there just creating beautiful work and really inspiring me um yeah it's, it's just incredible really so so yeah all that to say that there's so much more to be done
0: again if you're listening to this and you think that you just heard Igor managed to sidestep all of his actual accolade you that's he, he's I mean, he is an absolute master of humility of being able to say like, yeah, I just pick up a camera and, and try things. But the, the reality is that, dude, you, have, you really have kind of risen to the top um, of, of an industry that does have a fairly low barrier to entry these days. And you know what strikes me about you... I um, really about, I guess, let's just say it. I think about all three of us. I think one of the things that has worked so well with this is that this friendship is, is really between three guys that are just, um, they're just sort of passionate about connection, like just meeting people, not about what we can get out of that, right? Not like, and, and I've read so many books, sales books now and stuff, right? That are like, you know, the, the best thing you can ever do is have somebody owe you a favor. You know what's fascinating to me is—is is I'll say I think the best thing that people in this industry could do, like the actual tidbit that I wish people would walk away from—from from maybe even this episode—to say is the best thing that you can do is just to get to know people because they're worth getting to know.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Um, that makes you a better storyteller, right? Doesn't that make you feel more empowered? Like. Tom, when you walk into a commercial situation and you feel like you actually know your client, aren't you so much more empowered to like do a good job in that situation?
2: One hundred percent. Like to the point where I now only really take clients on retainer because I, I don't I don't ever want to have a transactional relationship with somebody. I want it to be like a the kind of thing where you can develop a relationship over years. You go in and you know that the work you're going to do is going to be in the long run. You can get thoroughly attached to somebody and do a really good job for them to give an example, like one of the clients I just worked with recently, this is one of the, ironically, this is one of the few that aren't a retainer. Um, they they just got into the Michelin guide. We created a, a launch video for them literally six months ago. And six months later, they got into the Michelin guide, which is like unprecedented. It's really rare. But the reason why the relationship worked, and the reason why the video that we made for them was the only asset on the original website, the reason it worked is because we took the time to understand what they were making if you don't get a proper feel for somebody's aims and intentions, like how on earth can you ever portray them well? Like, I I don't understand. I don't understand how anybody could work on any kind of project without a complete understanding of the person they're working with and and expect to do a good job. But maybe that's me being short sighted because there probably is a way of doing it, but it it feels completely alien to me. I, I don't know how, how anybody can work passionately and not get to know the person they're working with.
0: Well, and Igor, I think you're a perfect example of this. Your your style developed. Uh, I've said this on a number of episodes now. Um, I've used you as a as an example for somebody that I feel like stylistically, I could pick your photo out of a thousand. And it is the color science, but it's also the attention to symmetry, and it's the line. And I mean, you just have sort of a remarkable uh, compositional consistency. Um. But I'd love to hear from that because so often I think photographers put the cart before the horse, right? They start to really focus yeah. on building a style. My assumption is that your style came almost as a byproduct from you just pouring into people. So like tell I mean I'm genuinely curious. Tell me tell me how that process came together.
1: Um I think in some ways it's yes, very much that and and just being able to share just literally have conversations with people in the sense of how do you do this? And how do you do that? And wh- why did you do that? And um, conversations like that have really changed. And I remember very specifically, this was almost like sort of like a turning point within my career that I was I was in Spain with um, a really good friend, um, incredible photographer, um, Seraphine Castillo, who's, who's just incredible. If you haven't seen his work, it's just incredible. Um, in fact, he actually shot um, Sean Flanagan's wedding um, But um, we were having a conversation um, about editing and colors and whatever it was really and, and it just sort of like clicked for me in terms of how, how stylistic you can be And how you can really portray your voice through so many different things, if that makes sense And yes, that comes over time but um, it sort of like clicked then for me. And and since then, sort of like I, re- I was really intentional, became really intentional in terms of trying to have a voice, let's say, and, and be really specific. And yeah, you said it. Yes, you, you can recognize a m- uh, one of my images miles away. And I, I am intentional about that. I want you to do that. And there's perhaps certain sacrifices that you do within the editing room in order to actually achieve that sort of look or whatever else but it just simply means that you're able to stop people's in their tracks. And yes, your art might not be for everybody else, but for those people that sort of like connect with it, connect with it visually, then to be able to have a conversation with you and connect with you emotionally, you've won, you've won already. So yeah, it's, it's been amazing really to sort of like get to a stage where couples, um, Come to me specifically for my work, but then stay because um it's just ego. It is literally and it's just it, and it's the way I sort of like describe myself. Um sometimes the calls with couples. I'm, I'm just gonna be that dude at your wedding that's really, really good friend that just super just just simply happens to have badass skills with his camera. And yeah, you love me for it, but we're gonna be friends at, at the same time. So yeah.
0: Dude, I, I love this this talk track so much because I'm reminded how many times well, back in the the clubhouse call days, I remember how many times we would be on a uh, on a call, whether it was purpose and positivity or, or anybody, but some somebody from the UK would jump in and they would say, you know, oh Miles, it's so easy for you to say in the US, right? Because everybody pays more in the US and weddings are bigger in the US and the market is so much more developed in the US and like you know, insert silly excuse here. And I think that one of the things that that struck me, that it's just like beautifully struck me about you is that I've never heard you make an excuse. I mean, really, really for anything. I've never made heard you make an excuse about being, um, you know, having traveled around so much. I've never heard you make an excuse about being in the UK. I've never heard you make an excuse about like, like- Price points, or or clients, or or, or anything—you you just jump in and um, take on whatever challenge is in front of you, full force. And because of that, you've you've become you know globally recognized instead of just regionally recognized. Um. So so tell us then. I want to hear from both you guys about this, really. But what what comes next? Because now that you know, for the most part, the world is kind of open again. The weddings are flowing. The commercial work is flowing. The only thing really holding us back at this point as an industry is, is our own ambition, our own ambition, you know. So Igor, what, what do you have coming up?
1: Um, great question. Um, I guess it sort of like goes with what we were chatting about in terms of like finding your style and finding your own voice, really. Um and we're really honing down, honing down on that, really. So at the moment, I feel like this has been going on for (laughs) 500 years. It has been going on for ages really, but yeah, literally recording this editing course, editing and aesthetics course, which I'm super pumped to to come out really, but um, just really trying to invest my time to really break down things that make other photographers stand out, things that make your eyes? Why, why does your eye gravitate towards specific things or why, why did you edit it this way rather than this way? And so, yeah, um, rather than just, (laughs) and I said it, I've said this before at workshops that I will never sell a preset (laughs) because I'd rather teach you how to, um, how to really edit your images and and find a star that, that makes you sing and makes you happy rather than just um, give you a one-click solution. But yeah, in some ways, my mind has been changed over over the years, really. But at the same time, yeah, um, create. I really want to create sort of like a preset that will be able to sort of like help people navigate that sort of thinking in terms of editing and finding your own voice, really. And, and yeah, and I I can't wait as well to, to just start shooting weddings properly. Um, my season starts in April and yeah, I'm super pumped. I've got some amazing weddings coming up and I really, really cannot wait. And, and then just other projects educationally, really, that I really, really want to start pushing, you know, uh, throughout the pandemic, I found it quite the moralizing, it's not even the word, but, uh, I find I've had to push myself hard in order to sort of like, um, get all of this sort of like projects I have in mind and there's still more stuff to be done, but, um, I had to really push myself kind of like, all right, come on, here we go. Um, and, but I know it will pay off. I know it will pay off in the end sort of thing, but, um, yeah, it hasn't been the easiest thing, but, um, I'm super pumped, super pumped.
0: Guys, if you're listening in and you haven't drawn these, and I guess, Igor, I'll tell you, I do this frequently in episodes. I love to draw correlations between what past guests have said to just reiterate how powerful points can be for people that maybe don't grasp this. But what you just said about creating a stylistic look for yourself, instead of just purchasing presets... Right, but to to view your work as more valuable than something that just needs you to press copy and paste and click on to the next one, and and a second ago you actually referred to it as art, which I I think is really important because so many people in the industry these days view it as content or or whatever whatever you know insert poorly stated verbiage here, but the other guests that I've heard echo that exact same sentiment. Are people that you know personally, like Nadia Melli said something very similar, where she was like, I hate presets. Not that using a preset is a bad thing. I just hate that it becomes an excuse, right? And I heard Marco Sanchez say the exact same thing. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on. All right. I mean, but I are all keep-
1: good friends. So yeah, you're in good company there.
0: <laughs> um, all right. So Oh, what's it like to be close friends? With? Anyway, all right. So, Tom, your turn, dude. What comes next? Well,
2: well before we move on, like I, I kind of had thoughts on exactly what you were saying. I feel like part of the reason why I respect Igor as an educator is because he's taking that approach. Yes, here is the preset that I use. Maybe down the road, but first, learn. Because I keep, I keep thinking like one of the wonderful things about presets is it means that somebody else has put countless hours into a product to get a baseline. But I think a big part of what a lot of photographers miss in general is that the way the preset that you choose to develop around will can very often hamstring your development because you don't know like why that photographer made the decisions they did. Like, We've had conversations between Igor and I about his color palette and ways that he's changed it subtly over the years, but you would not be able to tell him, oh, that's preset one that he used like back in 2012, and this is preset five that he used and whenever. The, The entire point is that because he knows visually what he's aiming for, the preset can change, but the end result doesn't. And it goes back to the conversation we had earlier about doing the work before you even start. Like if you're a photographer and you don't have an educated eye, that very often is the reason why you struggle. It's not because you don't know how to make the images that you wanna make, it's because you don't know what you wanna make. And then when you go and apply a preset to that, you're making something that somebody else has decided to make. And if it doesn't work for you, sometimes you retreat into that person's vision and shoot in the way that they shoot. Whereas if somebody's actually gonna teach you how to embrace your inner creative, like the entire point is it's it's teaching you to develop an eye. It's giving you the tools to make your own creative decisions. And again, this is not me just like big enough ego. This is something I believe in, in the industry in general. I think there's, it's a shame that people don't spend more time finding out what they like before they have to start charging money. And I I think that that's a huge, huge factor. So for me, like what I'm doing coming up is I'm trying to, in an education space, I'm trying to tackle the stuff that people don't want to talk about. Things like backup solutions, things like, editing workflow aside from the color correction element, because I feel like nobody talks about it and they can make or break a business. But equally since clubhouse, I've been doing one-to-one coaching over culling about creative direction. Like the main reason that I started in clubhouse was in a room called basically photographers, you rock and I want to tell you why, because I wanted to like, I heard you say this to Ben Hartley last week and I think it kind of, I, I need to disagree with him just, just to kind of say that I think that constructive criticism can just be constructive. You do not have to criticise at all. The easiest, the easiest way to tear somebody down is to say something negative without any positive reinforcement. And he definitely qualified saying that you need to be positive first. But I think the positivity element of it is good because you can teach somebody which line in their sketch to go over, where where the, the kind of three thread through all these kind of marks that you're making this paper is going. So when you're trying to create something beautiful, you don't have to get it perfect in the first stroke. You can sketch, you can gradually improve, you can make changes as long as you're moving in the right direction. And I've had some really interesting conversations with people that are at the point where they know that they've made plenty of impressions, but they can't see the picture that they've drawn. And I feel like that's a huge element, again, in, in coaching that's helpful. It's teaching somebody how to, how to appreciate the things that they already do well how to do the things that work again and not so much about here's the thing you did wrong. Because one thing I think that we could all agree is that if Igor shot all of his work on a 100 millimeter lens, because that's what portrait photographers do, it probably would not look as good as it does. And I think that's, that's the issue. If you continue to give criticism, the issue is that you need to be educated enough to know which advice to listen to. Um Whereas, if you're just positive about somebody's work and explain what you appreciate and why, somebody
0: can get a much greater appreciation for what they should do next. okay i uh, I'm absolutely fascinated in in where this just sort of head. Um, and and here's the honest reason why is because we're I'm getting hammered right now, absolutely hammered both inside the photoco Facebook group as well as um, just my network in general about so like where is all this going? Right? Everybody wants to know that. Everybody that's like you feel like you're, you know, wandering down this like blind dark road. And people are are funny. The, the reaction when I tell them that it's like this, it's not going it, This is it. Like, yes, we are launching small group trainings. We're launching protocols. Yes, if you would like to invest in that stuff, those opportunities are coming the reason they're not coming yet is because i want the time to build a community that doesn't feel like it's it's just based on the 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 purchase now button and, and what i just heard both of you guys say inadvertently is that that exact same concept right like igor you've spent months now developing really honestly a decade but months intentionally developing a process that you can teach people that isn't about the transaction. It's about the development. Right. Um, man, I just, I wish, I, I hope that this episode gets as many people listening to it as, as it can. Cause I wish that that is the takeaway for people. It's like that the people on top of this industry, the absolute pinnacle of, of designer and photographer and stylists and, You know, creative directors. Like at the at the very top, the way that people have risen to that position is not by asking you to to buy now. It's by investing in the people around them. Um, Remember, I used to say this a lot. I haven't said this in forever. You guys remember in the in the clubhouse room, I would say like if you just if you want to be the most valuable person in the room, add value to the most people in the room. We always have people that would like you do the mic, mic on, mic off, mic on, mic off, the clap, the silent applause thing. But I think that's what you guys are doing in in a in a really powerful way, Uh, and it's reaching. um, It is reaching uh, this broad and powerful audience in a way that, you know, I'll I'll say it. I think the rest of the community right now is is it's like a commoditization of education. You know, can I can I get a workshop for ten dollars? Can I get a workshop for eight dollars? You know, can I get a workshop for four dollars? And it comes with, you know, a journal, a high five, and a selfie. Um, and I think what you guys are doing is you're creating something that's like truly valuable together. And saying like, yes, it's going to cost. It's going to cost a lot, but we're going to we're going to invest first. We're going to invest in you first. Um, and that's a really powerful thing. Okay, so. Let's talk, let's talk personal lives. You want to? Like, let's get into the, the gritty of it. Because Igor, I haven't really spoken to you since the baby was born. Indeed. Um, which by the way, the baby is like a teenager now, it's been that long. <laughs> um, but you've got a you've got a new house, you've got a new kid, newish kid. Um, where are you guys living? What what what's this process been like over the last year for you?
1: It's been it's been Oh. <laughs> it's been good. Don't get me wrong. It's been good. It's been busy. It's It's been different. And yeah, we've, um, and I've sort of like have, have had to sort of allow me, not the space, but kind of like, sort of like give myself the permission to say, it's okay that you are not um doing the things that in some ways, in terms of your business or whatever else, you should be doing right now, but it's okay. <laughs> it's okay to sort of like give you permission to not be doing that at the moment because hey, the priority is much bigger at the moment. So so yeah, um, literally what? Um, I had my last wedding of the year um, in October last year um in, in Paris, um, I came home on the Sunday and literally on the following day, Zara was being born. And, and literally (laughs) made it by this, but, um, and Zion really very much believes that she, she was sort of like in her heart holding, or the baby was waiting just for daddy to come home. And then, okay, (laughs) let's make this happen. But yeah. Um, now I'm a father of two and absolutely love it. Incredible. Absolutely love it. And, and I think as well with, with having your second child, it, And you sort of like know a little bit more of what you're doing and you feel like, oh, this is not for the first time. So you allow yourself the permission to actually enjoy it a lot more. And that's what's been happening at the moment. And then that same week when Zara was born, we moved to this new house, we just needed lots of, we just needed lots of more space really. And yeah, it's a beautiful house, nice high ceilings and yeah, we love it. There's, there's so much potential for it, which, which is great, really. So so yeah, life is really good. Life is truly good. Um, There's loads of stuff that still need to be happening in terms of the house and everything else, but um, we're really happy. And yeah, now I'm kind of settled here in the office. And yeah, over the past couple of weeks, been recording more and doing a lot more, yeah, a lot more recordings and, and stuff like that. And that's been going really well. But yeah, life is really good at the moment. And yeah, we're still really close to my parents and Zai's parents. So we're enjoying the best of both worlds with having grandparents around and sometimes sending the kids off and <laughs> having time together. So yeah, yeah, life is good at the moment.
0: What about you, Tom? Give me the good stuff.
2: Uh, I have a three-year-old and... He's just been two. So the last year was, was really hard. I'm <laughs> just, just going to say that, um, like the main reason that I went freelance initially was because I wanted to spend more time at home with, with my family. And then obviously like the pandemic hit like six months afterwards, but I wouldn't change anything. Like I, I look back at my own childhood and think about how much time I got with my dad. And it's like, like he actually said this to me the other day, cause we live really close to them too. Like my, my dad has spent more time with my son than he ever spent with me as a child because he's been more available and that kind of hit me. So I think in a lot of ways, like what Igor said a moment ago about, oh, I'm giving myself permission not to be a hundred percent always working. And I think that's been such a huge blessing. Like it's been such an amazing part of being freelance and being self-employed and being able to choose how much you work and when you work and who you work with. All of those things have been amazing because it's given me more time to spend with my wife and son, and i don't think i'd ever change that and honestly this last few weeks especially like when he's just finally getting out of that kind of like tantrums at 2 like the, when that's starting to stop i'm appreciating the time even more because you can do all those little things that you don't ever really get chance to to kind of do when they get older and it's been pretty wonderful to be frank um i don't think i'd change it for the world and i'm really happy where i'm at um if anything like i, I could have done without the pandemic like no lie, like there's there's somebody with, I was listening to another podcast the other day, and somebody was saying that um, there's kind of like a, a hyper distraction that everybody's feeling right now from having to be hyper vigilant during the pandemic. And I think it's going to take all of us a while to kind of back down from that. But quite frankly, I couldn't have asked for a better time with my family. And it's been difficult and there's been challenges. But I think the second that I realized that one of the huge benefits of being freelance is that you get to choose your working hours. It, it kind of unlocks something for me and my work life balance feels
0: Isn't pretty cool, cool when you have those moments though where you feel like you're you are you are kind of winning as a dad right like i mean yeah. i no yep. I'll, I'll say it cuz that's <laughs> great i so much at least in the us right now so much of the industry is getting younger and younger i may just be me getting older and grumpier but but they really i mean the market is is flooded with um, a lot of like nineteen and twenty year old girls, and that's uh, to me it's it's not an intimidating thing. I, I think it's interesting. I, you guys know how much I love data. I just love to watch you know the way the way things are changing and progressing. And um, but the most talented people that I know in this industry are people who have who have had a career and then kids. And then a career. And on the back end, they've actually figured out like what the importance is. You know, like back when you guys remember when you could work 70 or 80 hours a week? I do. I remember what that felt like. It'd be like, it was just unlimited. Like, I just, if I was awake, I could go. And, you know, I'll tell you this, this story briefly. I'm in my car uh, on the way to drop both my boys at school this morning. And um, this, is, this is the only year. That they'll be in the same school. They'll be close to each other for the next several years. But this is the only year that they'll be in the same school. I've got a kindergartner and a fourth grader. And um, I'm on my way to school and I and it kind of occurs to me out of nowhere that, you know, I always do like Mindset Monday for our for our photo co group, right? Where it's like, you know, hey, here's here's a few things I wish were on your mind for the week. And I, and I don't know why I don't do that with my kids. And so we're on our way to school, and I'm like, guys, let's just get your mind right. Like, Let's make some goals for the week. Um, and, uh, and I leave it completely up to them. My six-year-old sits back in his high chair, or his car seat. And he says, um, Daddy, I just want to be a better brother this week. And then my 10-year-old says, when something makes me mad, I want to take more time to be calm before I react. You guys, I just sat there with my mouth open. Like, I don't think I get to take credit for those things. I would probably give my wife the credit, if anything, but one, somehow we're doing something right.
1: But they, they so, will either become philosophers or psychologists because the sense of empathy in there is just like a <laughs> fruit and reef. And that's incredible.
0: But it brought me the reason I tell you guys that is it brought me immediately back to center one just being a proud dad which is I think something that we can all three just kind of relate to. But it brought me immediately back to center because then my 10-year-old looks at me and goes, "What about you, dad?" And and I was face to face with the same goal that I have every Monday, which is I really hope this week that when I'm working, I'm really productive and I'm really positive and I'm really engaging in the blessing of being able to do what I love. And when I'm not working, I don't have anything out on my mind other than just being like a good dad and a good husband and a great friend. Um that that like that balance is something that it just feels like to me is missing in in so many people's lives that we the three of us affect you know everybody wants to know like you know what camera do you use what presets do you use and and how much do you charge but if i could sit back and just say you know when was the last time that you you took time to to make a new silly quirky inside joke with your kid you know like my my son will scream from across the house daddy i'm ready and i know that what that means is he's going to come running through the house full speed and jump and hug me and that's only going to last for a couple of years you know he's not going to do that at sixteen. So, okay. So, you know, as uh, kind of on the back end of this chat. By the way, guys, if you listen to the Clubhouse chats, you know that we easily used to do this for three or four hours. Or three on or end. four hours. On the back, on the
1: yeah, literally easily. Um, I have a question for you, Miles, and I think it's the right time. So, I'd oh, like to ask it. Oh, okay. Not, it's not dangerous or anything like that, but I just want to see your perspective in your journey, really, since we. We're chatting about each other, really. But um, how have you found this sort of like journey of photog- photographic collective going in terms of like investing so heavily within a community and starting the podcast and everything else that you're doing geared with it? How have you found it?
0: Man, it's um, it's fulfilling. I don't know if there's another word for it. Um. Yeah, thank you for even asking. It's I, uh, you know, I, I've spent, I've spent almost fifteen years now as a full-time photographer, and I've won a lot of the big awards, and I've traveled kind of all over the world. I've, I've checked off the the lists, you know, like the first hundred thousand, and then the second hundred thousand, and the third hundred. You know, like we've we've made the money, we've done the stuff, um, and what I realized part way through the the pandemic maybe was I've always heard that, that like cliche, the more you give, the more you have to give. And I've never taken the time to give. Um, I, you know, I've poured into my team um, and my staff a little bit here and there. And, and I feel like I've, I've done some really great things there. Um, But the photographic collective has been the name of my company for um, since 2012. It's been the Miles Whitboyer Photographic Collective since 2012. And what changed for me in the last two years was me realizing that all I had ever really done was have this huge vision for what I wanted that collective to be. And then I hamstrung it and I shrunk it down and I, and I gave all of me that I could into two or three or four people. Um, but it was all transactional. It's like, well, I'm going to pour into you and then you're going to make me money. Um, and I watched the pandemic hit. I watched my closest friends and the guys that I work side by side with every day, you know, be anxious about wedding reschedules and not having enough money. And, you know, mortgages had to be paid, but where was that going to come from? What I realized was this isn't a, uh, this isn't unique to us. You know, this is an entire industry. This is an entire world of people that are fighting through this, but the the thing that I have is I have a few close people that care about how I'm doing. And I feel like a lot of people don't. So, so that was the, that was the, the big change was for me to say like, no, this photographic collective thing shouldn't be miles with Boyers. It should just be a community. It should just be open, a place where I just show up. And if people show up with me, fantastic. But that's regardless, I'm going to show up.
2: And that that's the reason why we got on on clubhouse because i think that's why all of us started doing it like I, I i don't you've probably got from this conversation like i'm not good at promoting myself and i, I don't i don't think that's ever going to change like I, i'm not that kind of person But the fact is that if you see somebody that needs something and it is within your power to do something about it, you should do it. And I think what you've just said is that you saw a lot of people hurting because of, one, smoke and mirrors, because there was an awful lot of people during the pandemic that were pretending they were still active. When you know for a fact there is no way they could have been active unless they were actively breaking the law, especially here because it was literally illegal. You couldn't leave the house. But the fact that you've decided to turn your business on its head like is, is impressive. But the more impressive thing to me was that you even had that as a design in 2012. So before you grew, before you became somebody that somebody would want to look at, you already had the attitude that you wanted to be giving something that says a lot about you. And I think you should be proud of it.
0: Thanks Tom. No, seriously. Thank you. I mean, you're right. I, um, I've always wanted to, to have, uh, to have something bigger than just uh, like a little bit of like fifteen minutes of fame, that seems silly. Um but what what has come from that, and this is why I said, like I feel like we're all connectors. Um, what's come from that is is a few key relationships, a handful of key relationships with people that have led me to relationships that people really aspire to know, right? Like, you know, oh my gosh, I can't believe that you know Jonas Peterson. Like that, you know, we we don't sit down and have drinks in the backyard. We could; it would be it would be perfectly comfortable to do that. But so often, I think we we see um, in this silly industry, we see people as like celebrities, but forget that the vast majority of us are even even at the highest level, and sometimes especially at the highest level, are fighting through the silliest battles. Right, like uh, I don't know if you guys have listened. Did you listen to the the Jonas interview where he said there were several years in there where he had a hard time getting hired because everybody just naturally assumed that they couldn't afford him. Right, so so there are those of us like let's let's call it in the UK right now where everybody you know people are griping. Well, nobody will spend more than fifteen hundred pounds on on a on a wedding photographer. Well, imagine being a wedding photographer that is a household name and nobody will spend anything on because. They just assume that they can't afford you.
1: It's so true though. It is so true. And I was chatting to Tom about this the other day. Uh, <laughs> that I don't know. I don't know. I think it's again, it's I think it's very much, yeah, as you said, celebrity culture really that um is within every industry anyway. Um, whether you're in tech or medicine, whatever. But um literally um when was it? Probably a couple of weeks ago. And I just literally, I have been off Instagram, I had been off Instagram. And I think it was my first post, the second post, something like that. Um, made a post sort of like reintroducing myself with images that Tom actually shot of me in Scotland. They were bangers. So go and check them out. And um, But that side, to say that within that post, I said something on the lines of, by the way, for those that I keep, I keep getting DMs on the lines of, um, Igor, we we know you're probably too busy or you're probably already booked or something like that. Um, With those starting lines and I'm like, come on. (laughs) I think it's, it's, it's very much that again, it's, it's that sort of like, putting people on a pedestal sort of thing, idea of putting people on a pedestal that sort of like makes you remove from connection, makes you remove from accessibility to people really. And I just literally said that, um, that is so not the case. I've got space and everything else. Um, uh, so come chat to me. And literally that week, it earned me over 7K, it's just literally on bookings. Um, so that all that to say, literally that's, people are accessible and it's so, and people want connection. I think that's, that's the main thing, really, whether you may feel or or think that, oh, he's not accessible, she's not accessible for whatever reason, really, that you put that person on the pedestal, forget that really. As humans, we want connection, really, whether it's, whether it's through a DM or whether it's through a conversation that you're having with someone, a conference, whatever, yeah. just, and, and and literally as you, as you were chatting miles, literally I had to grab my phone and sort of like, um, make a note of of what you, of of what you said, really Uh, just the whole idea of making time to give, uh, I just literally had to write it down just to kind of like remind myself, yeah, make the time to give, whether it's your attention, whether it's a kind word, whether it's whatever, really just make the time to give, because those are the sort of, things that really push our industry forward. Those are the things that um, hopefully all of us would want to be remembered for. Those are the things that, yeah, that matter. So, yeah.
0: God, they do matter. They matter so much, right? Like nobody... When, imagine, imagine you know, insert your favorite photographer here, but imagine them dying and and a eulogy of that person saying, well, they were published in these magazines. Like, who cares?
1: <laughs> but it's not until you say that
0: out loud that we all laugh about it because we're like, so why is that what we're all aspiring to so much? I was in Vegas last week, um, and uh, and and very humbled. This is the first year in my career, and I don't think it's coincidental, by the way. That um, the like I keep saying, the more you give, the more you have to give. I don't think it's coincidental. This is the first year that I was invited to all of the like the private parties and the you know like the behind the scenes stuff, right? Like the the guy that runs, um, that runs Rangefinder, you know, walking down the hall and stopping to give me a hug. Like, and, and you know what I was struck by? I was struck by the fact that for all of the people who have no idea who I am, and some of the people that may, when I was walking down the hall with John Branch, John took the time to stop and take pictures with and interact with and just hug and love on every single person. I mean, every person that even looked up and and you could see the eye contact where they're like, I think that's... Isn't that that guy from YouTube? Or people that were like, Oh my gosh, you're John Branch or, or whatever. And he's a good friend of mine. So I had that, that proximity to be able to see it firsthand. And then on the other hand, I went to a private party um, that was filled with the, the, the absolute upper echelon. I'm not going to burn names here. But the Absolute top end of the top end, and I watched those five or six people stand in a circle with cocktails in their hand, completely closed off to meeting anybody or interacting with anybody or, or serving. And and that was to me, it was like an instant. Like, okay, who's more valuable in this moment? You know, is is it John that's willing to stop and say like, hey, let me help you. Like, let me pour into you and and give you an opportunity. Or maybe DM me next week. Maybe let's jump on a call. Or is it the people that um are all over the uh, the marketing and the and the advertising that wouldn't give wouldn't even I mean, guys, I was at the party and they wouldn't give me the time of day to even introduce myself. So you tell me, Tom.
2: I mean, for me, like it, it just sounds like idolatry, like the whole thing, like that's a really like an, anachronistic word, it's not a word, but it's idol worship. Like if you put somebody on a pedestal and make them make them out of reach, or if somebody makes themselves inaccessible, it's going to change the way that people perceive you. And it's not healthy. Like we're not meant to behave that way. Like Igor is not an idol. He is a photographer, an incredibly good photographer, really talented and nice guy, but he's not an idol. And I think what you've both been describing is that when people behave like an idol, it, it, it leaves a sour taste because we're just people. We're just people like anybody else. And like, when you have a conversation with them, they'll have their own frailties. And in some cases, maybe it is a situation that they're not good at socialising in that kind of environment, but they are really good at marketing. That doesn't make them any less or more of a person, but we've got we've got work to do to make sure that we don't put them on that pedestal. Because if somebody wants to be inaccessible, that's fine, that's up to them. But when it's our situation and some, we don't know this person, putting them on a pedestal can do all sorts of damage like ego was saying that people putting him on a pedestal meant that he's not getting the work so like maybe he, the, the the job there is to climb down and to make sure that you've always got a hand out. like trying to raise somebody else up with you because otherwise you could feel inaccessible like ego is not an inaccessible person i'm saying this like i said literally didn't know from adam before clubhouse he reached out to me it wasn't the other way around but the entire point is that when you do try and reach out to the people that inspire you, there's a very good chance they're going to have a hand straight out there waiting for you. People want you to succeed. And I think people want to be spoken to like a human being, whether they're successful or not. And I think what you were just saying about Jonas being accessible is a really stark lesson that you should never let it get to that point. And it it kind of gives us something actionable. It means that as a photographer, if you want to remain booked (laughs) and you want to continue to be, to be viable as a business, you need to be speaking to people like a human being not to say that anybody isn't, by the way. This isn't meant to cast aspersions, ego I'm, I'm not saying that you're not a human or anything like that. It, it's more, it, it's 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 the lovely thing about the way the podcast has been for me, Miles, that I have listened to every episode. Like, just, like, like I, I eat information. It's my favourite thing. And listening to the podcast in, in the long run, you kind of see in aggregate the way that you, the way that everybody behaves to their best interests. And I think the nice thing that I've seen is that every single person that's been on the podcast has added something to an overall understanding of the industry. And like I said, I'm not a wedding photographer, so this isn't even necessarily my industry, but it's a really lovely thing to learn about other people that are creative. You can see them all like, where am I going to find the joy? Where's my enjoyment going to come from? How do I make it so that I can help other people? And there are all these different wonderful elements of kind of personality that come in with all this. And it's It's been incredible to listen to. So when you hear people like Jonas say being inaccessible almost killed my business, you can sit there and think, cool, I need to be more accessible. Even if I think I'm accessible, being extra, extra accessible is helpful. And then Igor picks it up the following week and talks about how, how he's already taken steps and it's already been beneficial. It's amazing.
0: Yeah. I, I couldn't, I couldn't agree with that more. I mean, I think that, um, I think that if if there's anything that I've tried to drag, sometimes kicking and screaming, but try to drag out of every single guest, it's been um, a commitment from them about where where they find community. Like why is community important? Because I think it's the thread that that holds together the most successful people that I know is that they whether it's in a Facebook group, or it's, you know, a church group, um, or it's just, you know, every Wednesday they go for beers with friends. It doesn't matter. Everybody that I know that is, that's creative and successful, they have a community of people pouring into them. And those of us, and I'll, I'll, I'll loop myself in here, but those of us that are, um, naturally isolating, like they pull themselves away, um, there's this glass ceiling that's that's just constantly pushing us down, you know, because we don't have anybody to share share joy with, or success with, or battle through things with. Um, and uh, and so, yeah, I, I don't know. I I think it was the thing that maybe for me drew me to you guys right off the bat was not the public conversations that we were having, although those were amazing and empowering and and really powerful for I think other people. But it was more just the time spent, you know, writing back and forth and chatting back and forth behind the scenes and saying, like, you know, hey, here's two guys that I I'm not benefiting by being friends with, and yet I feel so much benefit from it.
2: I disagree with that. Like,
1: I don't know about you, Igor, but I felt like I benefited from the friendship. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Even the, just this I was literally thinking about it as you was talking now, Miles, even from this conversation, I just feel like enriched and ready to to sort of like tackle different things um, that I need to tackle and it just <laughs> this is the the thought that I had in my mind you know in terms of ideas m- most of my best ideas usually tend to come in the shower <laughs> right um, it's that part of my brain that just disengages just travels and your mind just goes and yeah most of my ideas literally come in the shower. My best ideas come in the shower. But lately it's just been incredible really that most of them literally come from stuff like this, just conversations um, with people that are like-minded with people that, that, that pump me up with people that inspire me. And yeah, I find that I just, I need to allow more room, more space, prioritize that more. Yeah. Because, yeah, it's just been great. It's been really, really great. And yeah, to go back to the the main point that we were chatting about, allowing people to invest into your life and, and just speak into it and you doing the same. um, it's, it's just a way of growing. It's just a way of really burying yourself, really. So yeah, you can't go wrong with it. So I'm going to pin
0: you guys down here because you're both two of my closest friends in this industry. So I'm, I'm doing it live. I want to hear from you guys then. If... if if you feel as though there's actually like an opportunity here to maybe give more or be more present or be more aware what what are what are the avenues and maybe that's going to take time to develop what that looks like but what are the avenues through which you guys feel like you could you know like immediately be more engaged in or communities that you feel like you could you could give better or more effectively in
2: i think that's kind of a challenge like part of the reason why Clubhouse was so good for me was because with Adam Johnson we mentioned earlier and Tony Darcy, another photographer local to me, um, we started that we started the photographers coffee morning on Clubhouse because we wanted we wanted to be helpful, and I think that platform going away kind of took a lot away because the audience the only audience that I ever really built in the photographic community was there, and it, so it was like a really nice thing because you could spend like. Like we said, we, we would run three hour conversations once a week, but that was happening five days a week for me, as well as that conversation that we would have together. So there was like 15 hours of my working week where all I was doing was like giving to people. And I, and I, I can't say this is on like any clearer. I miss it. I miss it so much. But the difference is the thing that you asked us to tell you, like where is the audience that wants to hear from you? that's what's missing for me. It's not a desire. It's not a lack of information or knowledge. It's always been that feeling of, I need to know where, like, where are these people that need this? And I think that one of the the biggest things that you've been doing really well with the photographic collective is it feels like you found those people. You found a group of people that desperately want connection and community and to learn, but in an honest way to put down roots and not just grow. Like all those things are things that are, for me at least, incredibly difficult to find and to answer. So when I was given lightning in a bottle, it showed me that I had a desire for it, that I want to help people. But the fact that you've built something that allows you to do that is amazing. And to answer your question, I don't know. Like where should we be given that time and energy? Like I'm ready to give the energy, but finding the
0: place is the difficult part, I think. Oh, I've got the answer, but I'm going to make Igor go first.
1: I know what's coming Do you? Okay, good I don't know, I actually don't know And and I'm okay saying that But um, the only thing that I thought of Was that something that I've been loving um, recently Is just having, and this doesn't happen with many people Only probably two, three But I know I could extend that more just having like really short conversations with people that I know that whenever I touch base with them, um, it's going to be, it's going to be enriching. It's going to be someone that's going to be pumping it, pump me up or encourage me or challenge me perhaps. Right. So what are you going to do this week? Um, what are your plans? Um, you said you were going to do this last week. Did that happen? Um, how are you doing with this? Do you need any help? Yeah. People that people like that. Um, having them close by But at the same time Like you said, Tom Oh, I'm, I'm very much aware of time So I want to start having Almost like just rapid fire conversations like this Right, let's go I've got 10 minutes <laughs> Give me everything Give me the headlines in some ways But um, with people But at the same time To get to a stage To get to that stage with someone you need to invest time, I guess. Anyway, you need to, to have that. You need to come off from a, a good relationship with that, if that makes sense. But yeah, I found that, that um, it's just been nice to literally have people around. that I can literally just call or they can call me. I know that every Monday, Sam's going to call me at 9am and he's just going to pump me up for whatever reason or whatever other friends say. Yeah, I think that having those places where, um, if you feel like I don't know, if you're a single mum, whatever, you're probably um, so sk- scarce on time, and you're trying to run a business at the same time. But a place where you could be enriched in 15 minutes or whatever, that would be amazing as well. In fact, imagine that, Miles. If you had almost like, I don't, almost like a. <laughs> um what could we call it <laughs> an en- enriching segment <laughs> of the podcast of just miles spilling off for 15, 15 minutes or 10 minutes whatever and and yeah and it's closed and and yeah I reckon that would yeah.
0: be amazing. <laughs> I think I think it's a cool idea. Actually, I love the idea because I, you guys have heard me say this b- before, and everybody that's a member of the group has gotten this for free, right? But I built that varsity protocol that, like, it's a it's a marketing it's a marketing launch protocol for how to like get an idea, how to uh, penetrate an idea into your market, and. Um, and guys, if you're listening to this and you haven't gotten that, just DM me and I'll send it to you. There's no catch. There's no funnel. Nothing stupid. Just it's just a free protocol. Um but the the linchpin to understanding how that works is being able to isolate and compartmentalize your varsity group and your junior varsity group. The people that you have invested years or decades into building a relationship with, and then the people that um that want to see you grow, like they want to see you succeed. They don't want anything bad for you, but they don't they're not over investing. And then understanding how to communicate differently to those two sets of people. Um so I have a challenge for you guys. I yeah, let's let's do this live. Let's let's record it. What if w- we did whether it's once a week an hour once a week or an hour every other week, what if we open up um the uh, the purpose and positivity room again, but we do it on Zoom? And we we promote that, we launch that through through the photo code group, but it's not, it's not specific to it. It's just, it's an open place for photographers to jump in. And, uh, and we can do the same moderation concepts that we did, uh, over on clubhouse, which is essentially like, it's sort of a one strike and you're out process. If you're a troll, you get booted. Um, but, uh, but I, man, I, I, I agree with you guys, both of you guys, I feel like it's hard to find the people that want to listen but that doesn't mean that there aren't tens of thousands of people that want to listen. Um, so think through that, because I think it would be a really special thing for us to to just open that that platform back up and say, like, just come as you are. You know, dial in or call in or video in, and um, and let's give people an opportunity to to feel connected again. Because I still feel as though, regardless of whether or not we're in you know quote unquote lockdown. Most of us closed off a, a real part of ourselves, um, you know, during the pandemic. And asking people to open that, that back up is a it's a big ask. Um, yeah, so I just I just I just pinned you on that. Both of you guys are sitting back like, oh crap.
2: You see, I'm I'm sitting there ready to say <laughs> yes, but like I don't want to commit ego to anything. That's the that's the main thing. Like I, I feel like it for me, like I'm ready. I mean, honestly, I, I'm ready to do that kind of stuff. I I love absolutely love enabling other people to do something good that's it it's the like ben hartley said it last week like that's his creativity that he gets a kick out of coaching people like that's his photography like he he gets a kick out of it and i i, I definitely need both like i couldn't cope without a camera in my hand at some point but yeah I, I love i love that i love seeing people succeed something and i love like providing an honor feel like they can't they can't say what's on their mind like i think that It's something that we're solely missing as an industry. And I think that any any solution to that I'm here to support. So yeah, I'm I'm dying.
1: I like the idea. I really like the idea. I don't know how it would translate from Clubhouse to Zoom, but I I just really like the idea. And yeah, let's try it. Let's try it.
0: Okay. Let's try it. You know, you know what, what resonated with me most? Um, Tom, you've brought up the Ben conversation a handful of times and everybody, everybody that knows me at all knows that Ben's a you know, he's a good friend of mine. So we were able to have a really candid conversation. Um, but he said, and I believe he said this in the recording. I know he said it while we were on, on that call, but I think it was while we were actually recording. He said that it took him, it took him like nine years of just showing up every day. Just, he just showed up. Um, and, and I think it's been in the last like 18 months or maybe two years that his group has grown from, you know, like 3000 people to like, you know, 50,000 people. Um, but that didn't, that didn't inhibit him from showing up. And, and, uh, and that idea of like, you know, if one person hears this, like if I actually affect, or I actually pour into one person, or frankly, if all that happens is that I Give the opportunity for people to to hear something that is positive or intentional. Then just the process, I think, is worth the investment. Um, and that is, it's hard. I mean, I think I think we can all admit to this that that can be a really difficult thing when you're a business owner saying like, you know, hey, I can only invest my time in so many things. Um, but again, if all you're doing is focusing on being more efficient, you may be missing out on sort of the the beauty of everything. Right. So, okay, well, let's try it. I think it'll be cool. All right, fellas. So we have, um, we've been at this for about an hour and a half, which means that we're getting to the point now, uh, where Jared will be sending me passive aggressive messages, text messages while he's editing this saying like, Hey, you're not paying me enough for this. So this is taking so long. I'm just kidding, Jared. Um, sort of, but, um, let's wrap it up. Let's wrap it up by basically a couple of commitments. Um, First, let's do this again soon, whether we, we record it or just, just kind of bro out because I miss you guys. But, but second, like I want to hear from you guys, the most tangible takeaway for people that have, have invested the time, have put in an hour and a half into just listening to us chatter and, and tell stories and kind of bro. Send them home with something. Um, and I'm not going to say what that needs to be, but I would love to hear from both of you guys something that that people can take away from this chat and that will make them better.
2: Um I guess for me like I, I I'm I, I'm the kind of person that deeply feels like imposter syndrome, like I'm not worthy. And I think the number one thing I can say is that you need to shelve that like right now and start thinking about the ways you can help other people and start thinking about the things you want to make stop looking at the people around you, stop looking at the people that you admire and start looking at the work. Think about how you want your images to to be perceived. Think about how you wanna make a difference in the industry or to your clients and focus on that instead. Because imposter syndrome has a huge element of vanity in it and that you feel like you don't belong because you're focusing on the wrong thing. So try and focus on the the work you wanna make or the change you want to make in the industry and stop thinking about yourself so much. And if you feel bad because you're struggling with that, you're not alone. This is also advice for myself and not just for you. So yeah, like look at the work, look at the change you want to make, focus there.
0: Hey, Tom, that video that you created uh, on imposter syndrome, can we post a link of that to the show notes? Yeah, sure. That's yeah, I'd love that. If you can send that over to me, because I think this is this is something that you've been passionate about for some time and you've created some really... Um, intentional, you know, like thought-provoking content around that topic. I think it. I think it'd be valuable for people to know that that's not just an off-the-cuff conversation for you. It's something that you're really that you're really dealing with.
2: Yeah, hundred percent. I can send you over a link, or we can embed it in the group, or both. Fantastic.
1: All right, Igor. How about you, buddy? Um, I think that this conversation is very much a demonstration of it, really. But um, if you find those people that make your heart sing, if you find those people that very much. Propel you forward. Those people that you sort of like leave a conversation just feeling like, ah, can't wait to see them again. Or you leave a conversation just wanting to kick doors down and just achieve goals or whatever. If you find those people, just keep them close. And if you don't, and if you haven't got those sort of people, just all sort of like try and find the communities and even I guess that's what Photographic Collective is about really So I don't know, um, try organize, start yourself with that, with something, um, try and organize meetups or whatever. But the, the idea or the main point is that if you get people that you are really close to or that you get something out of here, um, keep them close, just keep them close and invest in them. Um, because those are the people that uh, will very much, prop- yes, propel you forward, but vice versa, um, the synergy that you get from it, it, it's just life-giving, really. And and it's that sort of energy, really, that our industry needs needs more of, really, rather than, I know, I know people say community of the competition and all that, but it's true. It really is true, saying yeah, as, as cliche as the, the mantra can be, but yeah, if you find people that um, really make your heart sink, keep them close. And I find that that over the past sort of like a couple of years or so, I found those people really, and you would think that phew, these are people that within my industry and we are competition, really, we're literally doing things neck and neck, like, creating courses at the same time sort of thing and um, that should be should be competing with 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 each other but um no we're sharing ideas we trying to pump each other up and and just encourage each other so yeah yeah i think it's yeah find those people that make your heart sing and keep them close
0: i'm going to throw one in here because this is For the first time, I don't feel like a host here. I feel like we're just sort of chatting and hanging. I'm going to challenge you guys if you're listening to this. um, Both of these guys, both of these gentlemen would be fantastic uh, options here. But I can speak to this. Every single guest that has been on this podcast, all of them, uh, from Phil Porto and Allison Conklin early on, um, to Jonas and Ben and Marcos and Nadia and these guys, like every single... Um, guest will be receptive to this. Take time to reach out to the people that you look up to. Um, often, I think you guys uh, that that are listening to this may not grasp this, but it is oddly isolating. It's it's oddly um, alienating having a name that people know because it, it people stop writing. And when they do write, often it's uh, it's very transactional. But if you'll take the time to write and just say, you know, Igor, I love your work, but hearing you talk about your your kids like that was special. Thanks for being a good dad. You know, or or to write Charmy Pena and say like, Hey, Charmy, your episode about setting boundaries spoke to me so much because um, it's something that I struggle with. Like I, I don't know how to unplug from work. Take the time to tell people that you look up to what they're doing right, and you'll be shocked at how quickly your communities um, are filled with with people that you look up to. And like, what a powerful thing that is! I and mean, that's that's everything that I'm living right now because I'm just surrounded by by people that I that I like, you guys, that I look up to. Um, and that's a that's a big deal for me to call you guys friends. So. Guys, okay, it's an hour and a half in, an hour and forty-five, really. And if I'm honest, I'm just rounding down for Jared's sake. Um, you guys, it, thank you so much for the time that you've invested, and uh, and 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 hopefully um, we'll check back in. But the time that you'll continue to invest in, in this community, that it's it's not mine, it's it's ours. It's a space for for people that love that love to hold a camera for a living, um, where they can show up and and be seen. Uh, so thank you guys so much for that time.
2: Our pleasure. Um, I'm saying, I'm saying our pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, it is our pleasure. It really is. And no, seriously, Miles, you got something special here and yeah, seriously, thank you for having us over. Yeah. I'm going to, after this, go and kick some doors down because I just feel pumped after this conversation and, (laughs) and yeah, um, seriously, thank you. Um, This is rather special. So yeah, you got something really great here. Thank you, bro. Good. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Hey. Uh. As I wrap up, I think we would be remiss to not point this out right now. Um. And this is uh. You know, guys. I've made a really intentional space um out of this podcast to not have um polarizing opinions, to not have um you know like political thoughts and all of that stuff. I want this to be a safe space for this. But here's what I will say, um guys, if you are not uh, listeners, if you guys are not investing time and money and resources. Uh, into what's going on um, all across the world right now, um, you're missing out on on an opportunity to um, to play a big role in in the world stage that's that's really broken at the moment. And I know, um, you know, you guys, uh, so many people that follow me on Instagram know I've 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 done work right alongside, uh, for instance, Skylum Labs that are based in in the Ukraine. Um, and, uh, and their, their offices are just being, you know, absolutely shattered right now. Um, and, uh, so many friends of ours that, that are in Moldova and in Ukraine and in Russia and that are trying to fight through what the future of the world. Um, and I mean that on a global scale, what the future of the actual world is going to look like. Um, and so if you have two hours to invest in a podcast, um, you have 10 minutes to click over and, and find ways to invest in, in helping people that are really fighting and struggling right now. So there's a challenge to you. Um, you guys, thank you so much for your time. Thank you uh, for for being a part of my community. Um, again, this has been the Photographic Collected Podcast. My name is Miles With Boyer, and this episode with uh, with Tom Wright and Igor Demba has been um, it's been life giving for me, and I, I hope it has been for you guys as well. Um, a really cool episode and guest coming up next week. I'm going to make you wait to find out who that is. Cheers.